0: music by composer George Hurd who is also featured on Electronics and he's performing alongside the great violinist Carla Kilstad. The piece is called Navigation Without Numbers and it's the title track from a new release by George Hurd. I wanted to play a little bit of it at the beginning of the program because I'm going to play the piece in its entirety a little bit later in the show and I'll also be discussing it with my co-host for today Phil Klein. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted. I'm excited on the program today to have a co-host. This is not something that we've ever done before, but I'm gonna be chatting with Phil Klein on today's program. He is a composer, like myself, and he is also a host at the Influential Contemporary Music Webstream Q2 music. This is a recurring segment on relevant tones that will also air on Q2 that we're calling Soundword. And our idea is to feature new releases, new music that's out there, or maybe music that's on Phil's radar, but it's not on my radar or vice versa. We're pretty sure a lot of this music will be new to our listeners. So it's an exciting chance for us all to explore new music. And I want to capture that excitement of when we were young and a new album would come out and we would get together and talk about it. I've always joked that the only thing almost as fun as music is talk about music. So that's exactly the kind of energy that we want to have on Soundword. So I take you now to the WQXR studio and the first installment of Soundword.
1: Should we try Nathan Davis next? All right this is another brand spanking new release on the Starkland label and it features the international contemporary ensemble known as ICE and I believe it features the work of two composers, Phyllis Chen and Nathan Davis, uh, both of whom uh, have worked with ICE and are part of what they call their ICE Lab project, where they work closely with composers in the workshopping and developing work. And uh, Nathan has a couple of interesting pieces that uh, were the first things that caught me. Uh, let's start with this prepared piano piece called Ghost Light. Music That was a piece called Ghost Light by Nathan Davis, and that is on this new StarClan CD featuring the International Contemporary Ensemble. The name of the CD is on the Nature of Thingness. Maybe not my favorite title, but that's also the title of a big piece by Nathan Davis that is on this CD. And I think I'd like to listen to just the last movement of that, This is called an outside with an inside in it. That was an outside with an inside in it. And the text for this song cycle is by Zbigniew Herbert, a Polish writer. That was sung by Tony Arnold and featured pretty much a full complement of Ice. I'm not going to list everybody. We've got about 12 players there. And in that last movement, the deal is that everybody stops playing their instrument and grabs something else that they don't know how to play and just makes sound with it however they can. So you heard various things being done with mandolins and toy pianos and even a jaw harp
0: here. It's quite beautiful, the sound that they're getting. I mean, if you're thinking that they're not supposed to be producing sound the traditional way with their instrument, uh, you know, they're almost making an argument to produce sound that way. It's, <laughs> it sounds very nice. Works for me, yeah.
1: And <laughs> Nathan Davis is very interesting. He, I didn't mention, I don't think, he's the, he's the percussionist for ice. So he is, and an yet another, there are a lot of percussionist composers popping up these days. And, yeah, he's got a very interesting sound world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very fleshed out. Now, these were developed in the Ice Lab, so presumably mm-hmm. he got the chance to work with the musicians, try some ideas out. You know. I think in many ways is
1: the strong one of the strongest arguments for having, you know, for the composer seizing the means of production. That is, having your own ensemble or being in a working ensemble so that you don't have to just write something and hand it to somebody in rehearsal, but you can spend, you know, whatever, whether you have the bang on a can All-Stars or Ice or or you're a member of Roomful of Teeth, and you can work it out with them over a period of time. There's no substitute for experimentation.
0: I agree. And I think we forget with the classical composers, I mean, Haydn lived with an orchestra, you know, he, yeah. could, he could go down and, and experiment <laughs> with them all the time. We, we don't have the drafts of the things that didn't work, <laughs> you know? I've just got to find a prince to get me an orchestra. <laughs> exactly. That's what we all need. Let's return now to the music that I chose for the beginning of the program. I wanted to give you just a little taste at the top of the program of this piece. It's called Navigation with Numbers, and it's by electroacoustic composer George Hurd, who is also the leader of the Hurd Ensemble in San Francisco, where he lives. This piece is for violin and electronics, and it features the wonderful Carla Kilstead on violin. Here it is in its entirety, Navigation without Numbers, performed by George Hurd and Carla Kilstead. music by George Hurd. It's called Navigation Without Numbers. It's the title track from his new release on the Innova label. We heard George Hurd on electronics and the violinist Carla Kilstead Phil, I brought that in. I just thought it's such a marriage of so many different kinds of musical styles. There's the harpsichord, the electronics, which is reminiscent of Baroque music. There's this kind of gothy sound to the track, too. (laughs) Like, uh, I don't know, some of Jack White's piano work. (laughs) And then there's, uh, of course, the electronics are very dancey. I just think it's an interesting marriage of of different kinds of music. I didn't know much about George Hurd before. I I don't know anything about him. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. There's no program notes in the disc, uh, but he's working with Carla, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, when I saw the track, I mean, of course, uh, I got it from you in digital form, and in my iTunes, it read out Carla Kielstedt and George Hurd. And I thought, oh, so it's like a, maybe a duo album, you know, a collaboration. I thought maybe it was improv. Then I listened to it and I go, well, wait a minute, that's too tight for improv. Although maybe they improvised for, for two hours and then cut it down to this. Turns out these are compositions of George Hurd. And as a matter of fact, this is the only track Carla's on.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. Every track is totally different, actually. He on seems the to album.
1: sort of have a mixed ensemble that's
0: generally the same people, but not exactly all the time. Right, I wonder how much improvisation there is, though. I mean, you know how 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 tight the the compositional structures are, and and how much yeah. he's allowing, especially someone like that. You're going to let her let lo- yeah. loose a little bit.
1: Do you know where he's from?
0: He's from San Francisco. <laughs> oh, he's a San okay. Francisco-based composer. <laughs> that much I know. Uh, which I think you can kind of hear. I, I you know, I, I picture kind of you know Mason Bates or that uh, you know the sound of the DJ world mm-hmm. intermingling with contemporary classical world. And, you know, I think he's done a really nice job of that. I mean, some of the tracks on this on this album, I don't think would be out of place in a club at all. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're totally dancey.
1: Yeah. Very cool stuff. Is that a brand new release?
0: Yeah. 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 I took the cellophane off. It's brand new. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Let's go from there to this piece for the Phonola, which is kind of like a player piano. Uh, But the performer actually has some degree of control over it as well. More than dynamics, they also can control the speed, but they can do a lot of things that a regular human being cannot do, like play a bajillion notes all at once. Newt Mueller has taken great advantage of that aspect of the pianola. So I'm just going to play a short piece. This is called Noman. Music by newt mueller for the phonola which is like a player piano but there is actually quite a lot that the controller of the piano can do in this case it's wolfgang heisig and this is from an album called phonola contemporary music for that instrument there is some conlon non crows as you might expect the great exponent proponent rather of the player piano but he's also commissioned other composers tom johnson and newt mueller and that piece is called nomen which apparently is a reference to an ancient greek sundial I like that piece a lot. I brought it in. I feel like there's this mechanical subtext to what we're doing today, in a way. So yeah, that was, I was part I, of it. I was
1: unaware of it until it happened. Yeah, <laughs> right, I, me too. They're taking over.
0: <laughs> but I, I just love this idea, because I've known non Caro's music for a long time, and it's just great, I think, that, that uh, modern-day people are writing for this kind of an instrument. There's there's so many things you can do. As you listen to that piece, it's obvious no one human could, could perform this on the piano. The rhythms are too complex.
1: Yeah, like I was alluding to before, uh, when we exchange music before we do these programs, it's... Uh, done digitally, and so I got the file, and I put it on, and I, at first I was just listening, and I was like, okay, it's a piano, but what else is it? Is it more than one piano? Oh, wait a minute, is it a player piano? And my iTunes thing said Wolfgang Heisig, so I looked up Wolfgang Heisig, and it led me to a Caro site. Apparently Heisig is maybe right now the world's foremost rearranger of Caro's music, and Nancaro, apparently, uh, I, I learned a lot about player pianos in the last few hours, he wrote his for an, uh, a model called the Ampico. These are phonolas. I don't know who makes phonolas, whether it's a European make, but the phonolas are maybe a little more subtle, or at least Heisig likes to use them, and so he's he's con- he's programmed a lot of Nancaro, and it's interesting how yeah, this piece by uh, Newt Mueller, I, I like that a lot, but it definitely... It, It's got those elements of Nan Carroll in it, both the mechanical and then kind of like the the jazzy little dances. And uh, I know it's interesting. It's almost like Nan Carroll from beyond the grave is still having influence on, on new composers. I mean, it's great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, too, because you can, you can go in any direction that you want. And yet, because Nankara went with the idea of the sped it up boogies and, and the blues, you know, and I, I feel like there is there is this kind of like if you go into player piano music, you feel like even if you don't do it consciously, it's still there's yeah. still a jazzy kind of thing happening. And of course, you know, the guys that laid down a lot of player piano reels in the day were jazz performers, too. James P. Johnson, some of those great stride players all put down Piano reels, and so maybe that's having a, a, an effect on the legacy of the finola as well. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. Today's program is the first in a recurring segment called Soundword, featuring passionate conversations about new music between myself and Phil Klein of Q2 Music. To subscribe to our podcast, or for streaming versions of this and all previous episodes, you can visit relevanttones.com. I'm excited on the program today to welcome my co-host Phil Klein in the first of what's going to be a recurring segment called Soundword. Our idea here is to talk passionately about music. We each bring in three to five pieces. We listen to them together in real time, and then we talk about them (laughs) like we used to do when we were young. I take you now again to the WQXR studio to continue this episode of Soundword with Phil Klein.
1: Well, Interestingly enough, this plot goes further because one of the CDs I brought in is music of Tchaikovsky and Stravinsky. But it's, uh, shall we say, a little bit different. This crazy Russian conductor named Theodor Korensis has been doing, he sort of works, I guess, in, you know, your historically informed type of, of, of movement and he has, he divides opinion like few others. First of all, he started by recording Mozart operas and if you want to divide opinions, do you know classic operas because half the world's going to be offended that you even tried. but he also does he's done some 20th century music. I don't know if he really does contemporary stuff, but he sort of takes this to the limit. In this particular recording we get um, well, the main piece is Stravinsky's Les Nos, at least for me. And that piece was originally written for four-player pianos. Stravinsky struggled like crazy trying to figure out how to orchestrate this. I, I think the original version was for orchestra, then the four pianos. Then he, he ended up with an ensemble which just has four pianos. But this particular performance, uh, well, the liner notes are almost worth the price alone. Um, the soloist in Tchaikovsky is Patricia Kopuchinskaya. And there are the the liner notes are these love letters between her and Theodore Carensis. Now they are not married; they are married to other people. But they carry on this kind of like fictional romance, which is like, I mean, I don't know what kind of herbal stimulants they were taking, but um, they talk about getting married. They talk about their their great love and living together. And um,
0: and Lydos is a marriage, right? Yes, he is, about, is, a is mar- about a marriage.
1: Absolutely. And so, yeah, the idea is, like, having having done this violin concerto, now they must get married. But uh, I I have to say, I don't—if you say, hey, we're about to hear the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto, I'm kind of like, okay, I'll go get a drink. But uh, in this particular case, it's worth sticking around for because, uh, well, Patricia Kopachinskaya is— Oh, certainly, one of my favorite living musicians. Uh, her her Bartok concerto, her Ligeti concerto, her her Stravinsky, her, you know, all the ones she's recorded. She's absolutely amazing, and in this case, they just play the heck out of this thing. I, I think the idea is that they get these musicians together. They spend a lot of time together, and they get. I don't know if they get really drunk what they do but uh, she talks about the recording sessions lasting all night and how they decided to do takes with everybody standing and dancing while they played.
0: I read it's like a commune they all live together in yeah. this town <laughs> called Perm and they just, you know, <laughs> they just live whatever recording project they're working on. And uh, you
1: know, none of this would be well like I said the Tchaikovsky's great but uh, really the record for me wouldn't be worth that much if it weren't for the performance of Les Nos, which is as lively, grooving, Russian, intense, it's it's a really amazing piece. It's one that when I talked about singing it in Russian you you need to follow it with a translation too you really have to be into what they're saying as it goes on it's it's like a little opera it's exhausting it's amazing and let's hear some of it say, that is one of my favorite endings of anything. The ending of Les Nos by Stravinsky, The Wedding, and that was The Wedding Feast, performed by Musica Eterna, a band or orchestra or group that is pretty much the sole project of the conductor Theodore Corensis, and that is from a new Sony release. I was also telling Seth that I once sang in a performance of Les Nose. It is a pretty hairy piece to do, uh, especially since Well, I was in the Columbia Glee Club at the time, and they made us sing it in Russian. And part of the reason was is that we were going to do this in concert. We were conducted by Robert Kraft. And I remember that Madame Stravinsky, Stravinsky's widow, he'd only died about a couple of years before this, and she was in the audience wearing mink and jewels and quite
0: a scene. But how did the Columbia Glee Club get Stravinsky's <laughs> widow? I'm just curious. That's an interesting
1: story. I <laughs> I remember I it was like my freshman year, and uh, you know, some guy comes into the you know, come down comes into the dorm room or into the lounge there and says, "Oh man, I just went to the Columbia Glee Club auditions, and this is the coolest thing." And... The, I'm like, what do you what do you mean? Cool. He says, well, they got this crazy guy named Greg Smith, and I said Greg Smith because he had at that time been making recordings for Columbia of the music of Stravinsky and Ives, and he was like Mr. Modern, crazy choral guy. And so I went to the next audition, and sure enough, it was that Greg Smith. And before I knew it, we were doing you know like Ives Ives choral music, and we did this concert with Robert Kraft. So, but I think part of the point was that. If you've sung in lay notes, you, you realize how many opportunities there are for massive train wrecks. And this performance very nimbly gets through the whole thing.
0: Well, they spent uh, five or six hundred hours, <laughs> apparently. In a log <laughs> yeah. cabin
1: in Perm or something. Yeah.
0: Up, up in Siberia. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> All right, well, let's go in a very different direction here. I was. Uh, recently went to the memorial concert for Stephen Stuckey, which was uh, a wonderful concert. I really enjoyed the music a lot, and uh, it led me to this pianist, Zach Bierson, who's been at Cornell University for a really long time, which in turn led me to this relatively new release of the Cornell University Wind Ensemble. And the piece that really struck me does not feature Zach on piano, but there is another Zach, the composer Zachary Wadsworth. And the piece is called A Symphony of Glances, which is the second movement from a large scale wind band piece called Down the Long Desolate Streets of Stars. And I I like the piece a lot. There's some really, really interesting sounds going on. I think uh, Wadsworth has created a fascinating sound world. He was born in 1983, so he's a pretty young composer, but he seems to have a really great command of the orchestra. So let's have a listen. This is the Cornell University Wind Ensemble playing the music of Zachary Wadsworth. Mm It's music by Zachary Wadsworth. We're hearing a movement called Down the Long Desolate Streets of Stars from A Symphony of Glances. It's for Wind Band, and we're hearing the Cornell University Wind Ensemble performing that music. This is from an album called Augenblick and I came across it just because I was researching Stephen Stuckey's music which led me to Cornell University which led me to this relatively new release so it's kind of a back end way that I got there but also you know personally as a composer if I had to write anything that would terrify me the most it would be a wind ensemble piece I I don't know why Why? I don't know I need my strings a a fear of oboes I have a fear of oboes yeah I need my I need my long sustained cushiony (laughs) (laughs) sounds so I'm always fascinated with composers who, who write wind ensemble pieces
1: he got some nice legato beautiful oh he did he did
0: he did he got some very beautiful sounds it's a fantastic band too and not all of them are music majors apparently. yeah that's what it says
1: there uh, well it occurred to me that it, it's 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 like the band geek culture so i mean the band some of the band geeks i know could be music majors but they've been playing music since they were eight and they study biology in college or or something else but i don't know that's just a guess
0: yeah yeah i don't know they sound fantastic though it's a great album all the way around augenblick the cornell University Wind Ensemble. And the conductor, by the way, is Cynthia Johnston Turner. Let's go back to our kind of theme of um, mechanistic (laughs) piano-like instruments. We had the Stravinsky that Phil brought in, which was originally for four-player pianos which I just imagine orchestrating that. <laughs> okay, this is gonna to go to the oboe, this goes to the French horn. Uh, what a difficult job that would have been. And then we had uh, the piece that I brought in for the fanola. but now the last piece I wanna play is by a composer, Danny Cray. And this is an interesting thing. He's been working with pianist Mabel Kwan, who's part of the Dal Niente Ensemble in Chicago. And this is something I'm seeing a lot with composers now that they're working very, very involvedly with one performer and really trying out new things. And the performer is almost a co-composer, I think. But in this project by Danny Clay and Mabel Kwan, what they've done is uh, explored the inside of a clavichord in a variety of different ways. And so they've mic'd it in different ways and, and created a lot of micro sound environments, or what the composer calls builds. Here is Mabel Kwan performing music written in collaboration with Danny Clay. This is build one and five. We're hearing constructed sonic environments inside the clavichord, which is kind of like the harpsichord. It's an early piano. It's not something that we hear very often anymore. In fact, I wouldn't even call it an early piano. It's a completely different instrument, but it's not an instrument that you hear very often. And you certainly don't hear it like that, where the microphones are placed inside the clavichord, and he's using it specifically to build these sonic environments. In fact, he calls each movement a build. We heard build one, three, and five. Music of Danny Clay, written in close collaboration with Mabel Kwan, who we heard performing Again, I just I, I, I found that piece after I realized that I was at least kind of going in a mechanistic direction on the show today. I like what Parlor Tapes Plus is doing in Chicago. It's a relatively new label that features contemporary classical music, but definitely in the, in the experimental avant-garde realm. Uh, if you want to buy that, you have to only get it as a digital download or on cassette tape. <laughs> They're part of this movement back to cassette tape. Not for fidelity, but because you can produce them rather cheaply which makes a lot of sense to me. And I think there's also this kind of idea that the physical form of music now, CD, album, tape, it's less important. Most people are buying it digitally, they know. So you may as well go with the option that, that uh, is the easiest one for the, the producer. But they have a very great sound engineer in Kyle Vegter who does a lot of work with 8th Blackbird and uh, I think does just a fantastic job. Every Parlor Tapes Plus album that I've heard is really got amazing high fidelity. So that's another reason I just want to kind of show off the work that those guys are doing. What's well, all the time that we have for our first show together, Soundword. Thanks so much to Phil Klein, to Hannes Brown for engineering these sessions, and to Q2 New Music. If you're listening to this program on Relevant Tones, I want to mention that you can also listen to it online at q2music.org. Soundword is a recurring collaboration between Phil Klein and myself, Seth Bosted, in which we talk about music that's on our radar. Relevant Tones has been produced by Sarah Zwinkless and is made possible by the generous support of the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music and the listener supporters of WFMT. This project is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts, ArtWorks. I'm Seth Bostead, and this is the WFMT Radio Network Chicago.